Fueled, episode number 18 with entrepreneur Davis Smith. Welcome to Fueled, the podcast for teens that aspire for greatness. My name is Easton Allred, and I am a successful entrepreneur, athlete, college student, and personal development guru. Each week, I interview successful and inspiring individuals that will teach you the secrets of setting goals and developing life-changing habits that will fuel you to greatness. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get fueled. Hello, Fueled listeners, and welcome to episode number 18 of Fueled. I'm so excited to introduce and bring on Davis Smith as today's guest. Now, this guy is so inspiring and is very, very cool. He kayaked all the way from Florida to Cuba. He's a serial entrepreneur, and he's an inspirational speaker at colleges all around the world, has given a TED Talk. Go check that out. And his business right now is Paxi. And this business is incredible. It's super cool apparel, clothing, and outdoor gear. And uh, what this what this website does, and what and what Cotopaxi as a business does, is they sell these they sell these products, and they give a lot back to people in Latin America. Davis has lived a lot of his life in Latin America and has seen some of the part of the poverty they have, and he's been determined to give back to these people. You're going to love him in this episode. I'm so happy to introduce you guys to him today. So, Davis, you have a very, very cool story. I've read a little bit about you, and I've learned a lot about what you've done and how you've been successful in your life. Could you tell my few listeners your story and a little bit about your journey? So, so uh, first of all, it's great to be here with you, Ethan. Uh, I always love talking to, to young, ambitious uh, uh, kids that are doing cool stuff, and uh, this is cool. You're doing a good job. So let me tell you a little bit about um, maybe my background and how I got into entrepreneurship. But um, So when I was four years old, my family ended up moving to the developing world. So my family left the U.S., and I ended up spending my entire childhood and a lot of my adult life living in Latin America. And my dad was an adventurer, so we always had some kind of crazy trip planned. So um, one time we, we made our own raft, our own homemade raft, and we floated down the Amazon River and fished for piranhas. Um, you know, we always were doing these hikes in the Andes Mountains where we'd hike up into volcanic craters. Um, when my family lived in the Caribbean, the Spanish-speaking Caribbean, we um, contracted this captain to sail us around and he'd drop us off on different islands and we'd jump off the boat with our mask and fins and our backpack. Like we had these dry bags and we'd, um, we swam to shore and we, we used our own sp- underwater spears that we'd made um, and we went and caught lobster and fish that, we, that we'd eat on the shore. And then the next day, he, this captain would come by and pull up to the island. We'd swim back out to the, to the boat and um, he'd take us to the next place. So um, I grew up you know, having all sorts of different adventures um, and loving the outdoors. But I think the thing that impacted me most of those years was my exposure to people that had nothing. And I remember one of my first memories as a child was as a four-year-old seeing children that were three or four years old that were my age that were standing on the sides of the street completely naked. And they were so poor they had 
they had no clothes. And uh, that, even as a four-year-old, um, impacted me and it shaped me. And um, from the time I was a kid, I always knew I wanted to do something to help other, other people. And so fast forward just a little bit. Um, I was at college um, at BYU. And I had read an article in the newspaper about a man who had been a successful entrepreneur. And he had sold his business, and then he, he and his wife moved to the Philippines, and they started teaching poor Filipinos how to start their own businesses. And they lived out there for a number of years and started this really cool program. And it was so inspiring to me that I actually cut out the article, and I put it in the front cover of my binder at school. It was this clear-faced binder, and I carried it around school for like three years. And um, I, w I didn't necessarily care that this guy was uh, an entrepreneur, that he made you know millions of dollars. It was really what inspired me was the fact that he was using his life to help other people. And uh, when I graduated, I about a month later, I was, walking, I was back on campus. They had this social impact conference, a conference that talked about how we could make the world better. And I was walking down the hallway in between some different sessions, and I saw this man from this article. His name was Steve Gibson. So I ran down the hallway and stuck my arm in the elevator that he was getting into so that it couldn't close. I jumped in the elevator with him and he was trapped. He couldn't escape. I had, you know, he had to talk to me. And I went and told him how I knew exactly who he was. And, you know, keep in mind, this guy was a multimillionaire. He changed thousands of people's lives. I was a nobody. And he acted so flattered that I even recognized him. And so we just had a nice conversation and he invited me to come back and talk to him in a couple weeks in his office. And I put together this plan where I was going to convince him to let me go work for him. And uh, I spent uh, some time sitting there pitching him this whole idea of how I wanted to help him expand his program from the Philippines to Latin America where I'd grown up and where I'd served my mission, my Mormon mission. And in the end, uh, he just told me, uh, Davis, I love that you're so passionate about this, but if you really want to make the world better, if you really want to make a difference, he told me you should become an entrepreneur. And then 10 or 20 years down the road, he said, you can find your own way of having an impact. And so I left that meeting deciding, you know, decided that I was going to become an entrepreneur. And that's, uh, that's when I started looking at it. And about a month later, I started my first business. You know, I really appreciate what you said about how you serving all these people in Latin America because I think that it's very, very, very hard to be successful off of selfish reasons. There's just not enough drive there and having a greater sense of purpose allows you to have that drive and to have someone relying on your success is very important. And I think that it's just, in general, it just feels better to be more successful and being able to serve someone else at the exact same time. So I love that. And I also love that you had the confidence to go and talk to this guy in the elevator and get out of your comfort zone because a lot of the times we just need to get out of our comfort zone and reach out to these people who can change our lives and who can help us to be more successful. What inspired you to go up and talk to this guy? What gave you the confidence? You know, so for me, I, I'd always believed that I needed to make a difference and I just wasn't exactly sure how to do it. And, you know, I think a lot of kids probably feel that way. They want to make the world a better place. They see, you know, all these stories in the news about the horrible things happening in Africa or in the Middle East or even here in our own country. And they feel like, man, I need to do something. I want to help. But you're not exactly sure how. And so, you know, I, that was just kind of a phase of my life where I was really kind of discovering who I was and discovering 
where my talents were, what I was good at. Um, and so that, you know, when I read about Steve Gibson, it was just, you know, fortunately it was at a point in my life where I was really making a lot of life decisions. And, you know, fortunately he helped put me on this, this path that allowed me to kind of go pursue some of those, those, those ambitions and desires that I had. You always knew that you wanted to be a difference maker, that you wanted to make a difference. I love that. And I feel like a lot of successful people and most successful people know that they're going to be successful and know that they're going to make a difference in the world and have that desire is huge. So was this your first entrepreneurial venture? Yeah. So, you know, after I met Steve Gibson, I started looking at what I wanted to do next. And I ended up coming up with um, an idea where I wanted to, um, I started testing a number of different ideas for businesses, but I had one idea specifically that was an idea to build a pool table company. Um, I had a friend who I worked with um, at church and I, I would see him a few times a week and um, he worked for eBay and I was just talking to him about eBay and he kind of turned me on to eBay and what it was. This is, uh, you know, in the early 2000s and eBay was really kind of on fire at the time. So I started playing around with eBay and saw that it was pretty amazing. I could, um, I loved scuba diving, but right out of college, I didn't have a ton of money and it was like, I was trying to figure out, you know, how I could, um, you know, make some extra money to go on a trip or go diving. So I started seeing that people were selling their dive gear on eBay and they would sell a whole set of dive gear. But then I found that if I bought the whole set and then I sold the pieces of it separately, I could actually make more money. So I'd buy people's sets and then I'd sell the BC and the regulators and the hoses, everything separately. And I ended up making a few hundred dollars every time I did it. And so um, I kind of saw this amazing thing that was happening on eBay. And um, it, was, it was a lot of what I learned in, in, in university about economics and something called the invisible hand, which basically, you know, was this kind of uh, this idea that supply and demand kind of would find a certain price that was fair and people could make money on both sides. And um, I really, I just fell in love with eBay and this idea of, of making money on the side. And so I started talking to this friend about some other ideas and I was saying, who else are some of the big sellers on eBay? And he happened to mention a company that was selling a lot of pool tables. And so it just clicked in my head. I was just like, I could do that. You know, I could go, I could make a bunch of pool tables in China. I, I'd studied about China in, in university. I'd never been there, but I went home and started Googling pool table factories in China. And I started selling pool tables online, uh, first on eBay, then my own website. And then I started opening up my own physical retail stores, brick and mortar stores um, here in Utah um, and eventually on the East Coast and in Oregon as well. So um, we ended up having uh, a number of different stores and we became the largest retailer of pool tables in the United States. And so uh, I did that for about six years and I ended up selling the business and then I went back to graduate school and I did an MBA, a master's in business administration, and I did a, a, an MA, a master's in international studies at the University of Pennsylvania and, uh, the business, and their business school is called the Wharton School. So that's where I went to Wharton for my MBA and that was a two-year program and when I was in school I decided to start another business and so I, I identified about 60 business ideas um, when I was in my first year of business school and then before I started the second year of business school you have a summer where you can go do an internship or work for somebody instead I went to Silicon Valley in California and I started 
working through those 60 ideas with my cousin who had come up with some of those ideas with me. He was also in business school at the time. He was at Harvard Business School. And so the two of us joined together and we started exploring these ideas. And we came up with, uh, of the 60, we narrowed it down to four ideas that we felt were pretty good. And we spent a few months that summer working on those four ideas, testing them, vetting them, and kind of identifying which were the best ones. And uh, by the end of the summer, we kind of narrowed it down to one idea that we felt was really going to be big. And the idea was to move down to Brazil and to launch a business called baby.com.br. So everything in Brazil, instead of just being .com, it's .com.br. And then everything's in Portuguese. It's built around the Brazilian economy. And so we started selling baby products. And um, so when I was in my second year of business school, we started this business and we went and raised um, venture capital from Silicon Valley. These are investors that want to put money into a business. And we raised about four and a half million dollars for that business to go start it. And we moved down to Brazil. Um, we did that for a number of years. My cousin's still down there running it. Um, I was there for about three. I did the business for about three and a half years. And we were Brazil's startup of the year in 2012. And we raised about $50 million in venture capital over the life of the business. So I was going to say it was a really, a really cool experience. And um, from there, that's when I, I, about two and a half, three years ago, I, I decided to move back to the U.S. and uh, decided to start this new business, um, it was, which was a business not about making money, but about finding a way to use the business to help people. And so that was kind of the the reason I started Cotopaxi. I love it. And I love like how simple all of these entrepreneurial ideas that you have, because like just going on eBay and um, making a business out of that, I think that's like something that's very inspiring for teenagers, teenagers in particular, because it seems like you didn't have like an expertise in pool tables. You didn't have an expertise mm -hmm. in babies, but you had like all these things and you just made it happen. And instead of like procrastinating and put it off, you had this idea and you, and you had a lot of ideas and you just made them happen and uh, they went big. So that's so cool that you've been able to do that. And what do you think that you've like, what do you think's made you different? And what do you think has made you more successful in being able to do these companies? Um, you know, there's a number of things, you know, that I think of, I, and I've looked at and questioned the same thing because I remember when I was at, at Wharton, um, you know, I was, I was so impressed and actually intimidated by so many of my classmates. Um, you know, Wharton, you know, it's in an Ivy League school. Most of my classmates, I think around 60% of them went to Ivy League undergrads. Um, these were just incredibly intelligent people and were very, very driven. And in a lot of ways, I just felt like, man, these people are just so much smarter than me and um, so much more accomplished and, um, I just thought, man, all these people should just start businesses because they, you know, they would all be so much better than me at, at being entrepreneurs. But what I found is that's not always the case. And just because you're, um, you know, some of these people that were incredibly smart, there was something about them that just didn't maybe make them the best entrepreneurs. And so, um, you know, one thing that I think that I have and that I see in a lot of other entrepreneur friends of mine um, is a drive. You know, so you are driven um, to go do something on your own. You have something inside of you that's pulling you to go start something on your on your own. And um, you end up being obsessive about it. So um, when a lot of times people will come up with an idea and then they'll just forget about it and like just go do something else. They never actually do it. The entrepreneurs I know, it's like you get an idea and you can't get it out of your head. In fact, you can't even sleep at night. All you want to do is think about this idea and explore it and test it. 
and figure out how it could work. And so I become obsessive about certain things, things that I get passionate about. I can really end up spending all my time and I, I, I almost get hyper-focused on it. Um, where even if someone's talking to me, right next to me, I just don't even hear them talking to me because I'm so focused on this, this new idea. And so, um, you know, that's one of the things. The second thing is that you can never give up. Um, it's the kind of, you know, it's, it's so easy sometimes to just think, oh, you know what, this is just not going to work. It's hard. Entrepreneurship is really, really hard. And there are moments where you just think, I am going to fail. And it's kind of scary. Um, but, you know, great entrepreneurs find a way to get through. And sometimes it does mean pivoting from your idea. Your original idea, you might discover this isn't a very good idea. I may be wasting my time on this idea. Instead of continuing to do it forever, you kind of pivot. And you say, you know what? I'm not going to give up on being an entrepreneur, but this idea itself maybe isn't great. So I'm going to have to change it or tweak it or maybe even do something completely different to try to make this business work. Um, but those are some of the those are some of the ideas maybe that I could share with you. So. Successful people are driven and they're obsessive. That's something I'm always trying to say like as much as I can in my podcast because I feel like it's so true. Because if you're driven and you are obsessed about your vision and about your goal, then you can get it. So very cool. I love that. And what habits have you used in your life to help you be more successful? Yeah, good question. Um, I think a few things. Number one, I think is balance. Um, I think it's really easy as an entrepreneur to just become completely obsessed with your business and want to do nothing else because it's a passion and it ends up um, being something that really drives you. But you have to be able to take time away. And um, what I found is I've had to make decisions early on as an entrepreneur, how much time I was going to be spending on my business and how much time I would commit to spending with my family and other other passions. And so um, when I was in Brazil with my business there, um, people start the workday a little bit late sometimes, and then they typically work late. And um, we made the decision with my business that we were going to be done with work at 6 p.m. And people thought we were crazy. I mean, that no one was ending the day at 6 p.m., especially in a startup in Brazil. And the reason why is because I wanted to see my, my family at night. And Brazil has horrible traffic. So I lived in Sao Paulo, and Sao Paulo has 20 million people. So um, it would take me, if I left at 7 p.m., it would take me as much as two hours to get home from work. So if I left at 6, it would only take me an hour and 20 minutes or an hour and 30 minutes. So I'd still get home in time to grab a quick bite to eat with my kids and to help them with homework and put them down to bed. So um, that was a sacrifice that I ended up making and it ended up being something amazing where our culture, the business ended up being this culture where um, people knew that families were important, that they could go home and see their families at night. And we ended up hiring um, over 60% of our employees were women and a lot of them were moms. And they were moms that had been successful executives at other companies, big companies in Brazil that changed their, their job. They came and quit their job and worked for us because they loved how much we supported family. And so, um, that, you know, that's one thing I, I do, you know, something else I, I love the outdoors. I love adventure. So I constantly am pushing myself to do different adventures. Last year I trained for about six or seven months. Um, for uh, a kayaking trip where I went to Cuba and then I kayaked from Cuba to Florida. And it took 35 hours um, to, to complete this, 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 uh, this kayak trip. 
And uh, it was just an amazing, amazing experience, but something that I ended up, um, I had to push myself really hard to do for the training and to actually work my way through it. I mean, it was ex excruciatingly painful, but um, it was a, an amazing experience. Wow, that is absolutely incredible. I am so inspired by that. I cannot believe you did that. I love that you're so successful in not just your business, but also with your family and with your health. And I'm, I'm truly inspired by that. What lessons did you learn from that experience? So about 12 hours into the paddle, I was about a third of the way done. And I had a, a tandem kayak. So my paddling partner and I were together. And as we were paddling, the, this beautiful turquoise water turned inky black as the sunset and there was no moon. Um, it was pitch black and a storm rolled in and we could start see, we could see lightning striking all around and pretty soon the waves started picking up and, um, our kayak ended up getting slammed against the side of our support boat and we got run over and it broke our kayak in half and it sank to the bottom of the ocean. And, it was a terrifying experience. We spent about two hours trying to salvage the kayak before it sank. And um, fortunately, we had another kayak that was on the boat that we were able to get back in and finish the paddle. But I'll tell you, when I was on that support boat, I was so discouraged and disappointed and exhausted. Um, I There was a part of me that did not want to finish. I was, it was terrifying. I did not want to get back in the water um, I had been scarred a little bit from that experience, and um, it took a lot of a lot of effort to be able to mentally get back in the kayak again. And um, but I think uh, you know, just a great metaphor in life that you know things happen, things that you don't deserve or that you you didn't plan for, or that even if you trained and you did everything you could, um, sometimes things are out of your control. And in those moments, those are the times that are most important to get back in your kayak to to you know, to fight through the, the anxiety or, um, you know, the depression or whatever it might be and find a way to, to get back on top. That is incredible. I love how even though you had that big thing that pushed you back, instead of having a very good excuse to give up and giving up, you still continued and finished doing what you started out and finished doing what you aspired to do. And I think that's a very essential quality within entrepreneurs because a lot of the times you are failing and failing and failing and failing and failing and that persistence and that ability to take failure and use it as fuel is essential to be successful. So thank you for that. And who has been your greatest mentor? Um, so, you know, Steve Gibson, that man that I mentioned in the beginning of the segment, uh, has always been a great mentor of mine. That's someone I've stayed in touch with over the years. Um, and that uh, has really, he's the one that kind of put me on a path of entrepreneurship in the first place. And so um, I would probably say Steve Gibson. Um, that said, I've had plenty of mentors, whether it be investors that I've had or even um, I have a cousin. Um, named McKay Thomas. He's um, also an entrepreneur, and we've been close friends for a long time. And I think we both mentored and coached each other through different phases of entrepreneurship and life. So um, I think it's just it's important to find those people that can help you get through hard times and that um, 
you know, can help you really kind of brainstorm an idea and dive deeper into it and think differently about it than you would. So it's important to have those relationships. What is the best advice you've ever received? Ah, it's a good, good question. Um, I would probably say, you know, I think, uh, kind of what I mentioned before that meeting that I had with Steve Gibson, where I wanted one thing, I, I thought I wanted to come help him make the world better. And, um, I just loved his advice to me, which was, he saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself, which was, uh, he saw that I could be a, an entrepreneur the way I was so driven and passionate about that cause. He saw that in me. And, you know, I think his advice for me to go out and start my own business, I think was, was probably the most impactful advice I ever had. Um, you know, one other thing that I think was impactful was when I was at the Wharton school, um, one of my professors um, kind of taught me about this process of ideation where instead of just going and starting a business with your first idea or, or coming up with two or three ideas and, and running with one of them, um, he taught me this process of, uh, of ideation where you come up with over a, over a period of time, you come up with as many ideas as possible, you know, at least 50 ideas, maybe 100 ideas, and then running a process where you eliminate those ideas and identify the best ones. And I think that process is important. And I see a lot of entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs, that make, that make the mistake of spending. They're willing to put all their money and all their time, the most valuable things that they have, into a business idea. Uh, and they'll go spend three or four or five years and all their resources and savings into an idea. And the idea itself just wasn't good. Um, and they just weren't, you know, when you go ask them, how much time did you spend thinking about your idea? They say, oh, well, a few weeks or I had it. It was my first idea and I just decided to run with it. You know, my advice to young entrepreneurs is to be disciplined about your approach to starting a business. Commit to yourself to go spend, you know, a month or three months or four months uh, or half of a year brainstorming ideas, maybe with somebody else and coming up with as many ideas as possible and then going through a process of testing those ideas and, and identifying the very best one and then going and spending all your time and resources on that one idea that, that really kind of give, make sure to give yourself the best chance of succeeding by being disciplined about that approach. Write down all the entrepreneurial and business ideas that you have and then make one of them happen. I love that. And I've, you know, I've never heard that before to write down a big list of entrepreneurial and business ideas, but I love that. That's Perfect, and I hope that all of my fuel listeners will take a second to do that and make that happen and take action today. So imagine that you had just a couple of minutes with your former teenage self. What advice would you give yourself and why? <laughs> you know, I have a 13-year-old daughter now, so um, I'm constantly finding myself thinking about this. Like, what would I have done differently? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I always worked hard. My, my parents, we had eight kids in my family and I was a second of eight. And, uh, I knew I, you know, my parents said like, if you want to go to college, if you want to, I wanted to serve a Mormon mission, like if you want to go do that, they just told me like, you have to be really disciplined and you're going to have to save up the money to do those things because my parents didn't have the money to pay for all of us to do it. So, um, from the time I was a young kid, I started working and saving money. Um, I always had a job or two in the summers. I'd sometimes even had three jobs, and I'd wake up really early in the mornings and work until late at night. Um, and I got really good at saving my money and uh, being really disciplined. But the one thing I didn't do, and I wish I would have done, is I wish I would have started my own business. 
Um, I could have made much more money and I could have learned a lot of great lessons as an entrepreneur earlier on in life, which would have made it much easier as an entrepreneur later. So, um, you know, as I kind of talked to my daughter, you know, we've been recently just brainstorming a bunch of ideas and she's come up with a ton of ideas and we've got a few good ones. And so I wish I would have been, um, I wish I would have explored entrepreneurship earlier. I wish I would have been kind of willing to take some of those risks because at this age, as a teenager, it doesn't matter if you fail. You know, you don't, uh, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to be broke. You're not going to have to go live on the street or be homeless or anything. Uh, you have your parents' home to live in and you can, you know, this is a perfect time to take some risks to try to do some hard things. And so um, that's, that would be my advice for any teenager I talk to now. I am very lucky to come from a family of entrepreneurs. My entire family, every single one of us, has a business in some form. My little sisters have done dance camps. I have my podcast. Both of my older two sisters have their own businesses. One of them does Toss Salt Spray. The other is Unmap, which is collaborating with other cool businesses to build a community. And we've all discovered that starting as an entrepreneur at a young age makes a very big difference in how you think and how you act and you can learn so much from that. So for all of my Fuel listeners, I would highly recommend taking that risk and becoming an entrepreneur and starting your own business and you will learn so much from that journey. So Davis, why do you think service is so important? Yeah, you know, this is something I believe in a lot. You know, at the end of the day, you know, life is short. And it wasn't that long ago that I was your age, Easton, that I, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. I mean, really, it just time goes by faster and faster every year. And I can't, you know, in this life, I can't take away money at the end of this life um, or things that I buy. Um, all I really have are the experiences that I've built and memories that I have and, you know, the legacy that I can leave behind about helping. And, and I think the way you do that is by helping others. And it's given me more happiness than anything else is by serving others. And um, I believe that we have a responsibility to do that. You know, we were fortunate. Um, we were born into families that gave us opportunities. We were born into countries or a different, you know, there's a handful of countries in the world that if you were born into, you have just an enormous opportunity. And the rest of the world just doesn't have that. And so we have a responsibility to find ways that we can help others. And so this business that I started with Cotopaxi, we do that. We use our profits to support poverty alleviation in the developing world. Um, we employ refugees in our local community. Um, you know, we use our brand to inspire young people to go out and make the world a better place. And so, you know, there's amazing things that you can do um, as an individual or, you know, as an entrepreneur. Um, to make the world better. And I think it's a responsibility. It's a moral responsibility, responsibility that each of us have just for being, you know, born where we were. And, um, you know, a lot of these people we're helping, they're just as smart as I am. They're just as ambitious. They have just as many dreams. Um, you know, they, they don't want to be in poverty, but they just were born in places that were really hard. And so um, we can make a difference in the world if we if we just make those efforts. So, I'm a big believer that we should all be working to do something. Where much is given, much is required. I love that, Davis. Fantastic answer. I think that happiness comes from service a lot of the times. I don't think you can be happy 
and selfish at the exact same time. Tony Robbins is Serena Williams' mental coach, and he talked a lot about how you really cannot be happy and selfish at the same time. So choose to serve and choose to be happy. And what last parting words of advice do you have for few listeners? Um, you know, super inspired by you, Easton. This is great. I mean, uh, I hope that anyone that's listening to this can can find a way to discover their own passions. So everyone's different, you know, but I think the key at this age is trying to learn and try different things to learn what you're good at. And don't be afraid to try something. Don't be afraid of of failing. It's okay to fail. That's how you learn the most. And so uh, my advice for all the listeners is to, you know, be like Easton, Um, go ahead and try to do hard things and try to learn as much as you can. Um, Don't be afraid of failure. And I'm looking forward to uh, a better world with people like you guys out making the world a better place. I really appreciate having you on, Davis. It was so much fun having you on the podcast. A lot of value in that episode. And thank you all, Fuel listeners, for tuning in to episode number 18 of Fueled. And I'll see you all in future episodes.